I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. The Globe's foremost performance artist, Marina Abramovic, who, like every other trailblazing artist, tends to ruffle some feathers, is back with a bang. In her new London exhibition, visitors must squeeze between two naked models to enter. This exhibition, which looks back at her career, is taking place at London's Royal Academy. Andrea Tarsia, the head of exhibitions in the academy, is of the opinion that entering between the two naked performers forces those with tickets into a confrontation between nakedness, the gender, the sexuality, and the desire. According to the BBC, this very unusual performance was first staged in 1977 by Abramovich herself, along with her then German partner Ulay. The duo stood close together in a doorway, making visitors pass between them. But are you also wondering how it must feel to pass through a narrow gap between two nude models? How will this confrontation with nudity, gender, and sexuality affect you? Well, the Telegraph's critic Alistair Zook, in his own words, was too preoccupied with not stamping on their toes. And on the other hand, Times's Laura Freeman squeezed through after sucking in her stomach. And well, for those folks who are not into confronting gender and sexuality, if that's not their thing, there is also a cheat code. You can enter the exhibition through another bypass that doesn't have naked models standing on the sides. But if you've bought the tickets, I'd say why miss the chance? Art in this postmodern world, anyway, has otherworldly and almost absurd sensibilities. Do you recall the conceptual artist Jens Hanning? The guy who submitted two empty canvases to the Kunsten Museum in Denmark, Hanning's assignment was to update two earlier works, which were basically frames filled with banknotes depicting how much an Austrian and a Dane earns in a year. Instead, what he did was submit two empty frames, which were titled "Take the Money and Run." And this guy is not one of those all talk and no action types. He literally walked the talk and ran away with a cash note worth seventy six thousand dollars, which the museum had lent him to make the commissioned art. Now, a court has recently ruled that Hanning must return all the cash, which actually gets me wondering: What has become of art in this new world? If Shakespeare were here with us, he would have probably said, "Pray in this age." What had become of art's true essence? For the next few minutes, you're going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with food for thought. Hello, I'm Manaswini, and for today's edition of the Signal Daily, we are replugging two of our timeless stories. Are you a fan of Indian cuisine? Or do you ever find yourself reaching out for that extra pinch of salt every time you savor your favorite dishes? Well, you're not alone. Us Indians have a salty affair with our food, or at least that's what the ICMR or the Indian Council of Medical Research claims in a study published in the science journal Nature. The team of researchers from ICMR found that Indians chow down an average of eight grams of salt every day. Doesn't sound like much, right? Until you realize that World Health Organization's ideal dose is a mere five grams per day. Now, before you all go like five grams is nothing, 
grab your measuring spoons and try munching on that much amount of salt. Now that we are on the same page about 5 grams being kinda insane, I hear the skeptics in the back mumbling, so what's the big fuss about salt? It's in everything we eat. Well, yes, but therein lies the rub. It becomes a big deal when we consider the bulk of 3 million global deaths caused due to cardiovascular diseases which are attributed to excessive consumption of sodium, the key ingredient in salt. A high sodium intake also significantly increases the risk of stroke and cardiac failure. And as a result, restricting salt intake is the most cost-effective way to reduce blood pressure problems by 25%. The report also brought to light the salt intake was notably higher in certain demographics, particularly in men and those living in rural areas. This might have to do with the fact that rural Indian men, for example those in Maharashtra, eat dishes like bhakri with kanda and salt. Plus, salt intake was higher for employed people, tobacco users and obese people with high BP. Given that the salt saga is basically a household affair and many folks are still in the dark, the World Health Organization has been actively trying to spread the word to whoever would listen. It published a global report on sodium intake reduction, highlighting how its 194 member states are working towards slashing sodium intake by 30% before 2025. In this thrilling report card, with a scoring range of 1 to 4, with 4 being more effective, India gets a humble do. This score says that we at least have one policy in the battle against salt. Besides that, the Food Safety and Standards Authority of India tried to roll out the Aad Se Thoda Kam campaign as a part of the Eat Right India movement. But considering how neither I nor anyone around me has heard of the campaign, it seems like it's not doing too good. But anyway, after soaking up this salty knowledge, you might want to distance yourself from your favorite canteen ka samosa. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at the rate the The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM. The episode was written and researched by Dhruv Sharma and Anoop Sembal. Edited by Dinesh Narayanan. Produced by me. Mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are the signal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.